This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. My next guest this morning is Maggie Cavell, who is engaged with a very public research project at the moment. It's called Hidden in Plain Sight, and Maggie's here to tell us a little bit more about that. Morena, good to have you with us, Maggie. Ah, thanks for having me. Now, Maggie, I um, have read through a bit of your blurb around this, mm-hmm. and if I tried to articulate what it was about, I think I'd stumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you do a good job. <laughs> you tell us. You sure. tell us. What's Hidden in Plain Sight? What's it about? Sure thing. Um, Hidden in Plain Sight is it indeed is a public um, art project based centres around um, mental health and body autonomy issues um, relating to individuals that identify as female within New Zealand society. Just so there's more inclusion. Um, there's not a binary of saying women and then those who don't feel they belong in that um, sort of descriptor then sit outside. So it's sort of um, including like our trans community and other communities that don't sort of identify with the cisgender. And where does this sit within your own work and research? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been involved with other um, art collectives in Dunedin, um, namely Glory Box. Um, we came together and did a lot of pop-up public um, events around sort of performance and art um, based sort of showing it in different spaces um, and so with this and my own practice I guess the master's program pushes you um, in terms of how you are communicating through your work, how you're engage- engaging the audience um, and how the audience then responds to or receives your work. And how will and how is Hidden in Plain Sight manifesting in terms of the public uh, view of it? Yeah, I mean the great thing about a research project um, which is a little bit different um, to say the term collaborative is that there's no predetermined um, outcome or there's no predetermined goal, there's no predetermined product of um, that work working alongside the public so it can take any form that the lines of inquiry decide to go down um, and when you talk about lines of inquiry that's um, with this project that's is very practice led so engaging with the public um, what I've done it's quite a complex of course project is a complex territory um, mental health and body autonomy so I've split it into three phases um, at the moment we're in phase one so I've just deployed um, billboard installations people might be wandering around Dunedin thinking oh what on earth is this um, So the idea is that these billboards are positioned in um, targeted spaces, geographical locations that are quite central, and they're sort of termed as creative um, interventions so people happen across the work rather than going into, say, a traditional space like a museum or a gallery. And you want want people to engage with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In what way? Yeah, so they're interactive. So the idea is that you come across the work, um, you're viewing the work, and then there's also a QR code um, which people can scan and then that redirects them to an information page um, on my website that just explains a little bit more about what the work is, um, the intent of the project, um, and how the public can get involved. Uh, very difficult to describe when we haven't got them in front of us on radio. But but the the billboards that are currently out, how would you describe them? What will we what do we see? Sure. Um. So what I've what I've got as part of um, the foundations of my project is a conceptual framework. 
And that is based on a 19th century short story called The Yellow Wallpaper, which was about a woman's descent into madness um, at the hands of her husband, who was a figure of authority. So you could read that as like the patriarchy. Um, So she was imprisoned in a wallpaper room. And so what I've done is I've taken that idea of wallpaper in the private space, we usually see it in the domestic sphere or at home, that sort of thing, and I've put it on the billboard as taking that private public. So when we think about mental health and um, individuals that are experiencing mental health distress, um, and or body autonomy issues that is hidden in plain sight we don't always know that they're going through these issues so the wallpaper is um, there's patterns on the wallpaper um, so there's three locations there's um, Union Lawn at Otago Museum um, and that has a um, what I call a trauma chevron which is um, like a chevron pattern It's bright pink, you can't miss it. Um, And it's mass-produced objects like keys and combs um, and other things that you, lipstick that you would find in the domestic space, but they also appear in other spaces. So like the comb, which appears in forensics and collects evidence. Um, At Museum Reserve, I've got what I call my pill tartan, a little bit controversial, but it's a medication that's used for PTSD, um, nortriptyline, and um, that's um, sort of uh, patterned in a tartan, which is very um, sort of regional to Otago. It's a it's a familiar pattern that has a long history. Um, and then down on um, Logan Park, um, just right near the stadium on uh, Union Street, I've got what I call my um, autonomy thief, which is a take on William Morris's strawberry thief. Um, But what I've done is I've reworked um, botanicals kind of connected in how um, William Morris used to use a lot of botanicals um, to articulate his work. Um, these botanicals are actually um, abortifacients, so they've been used throughout history to help women control fertility. Yeah. And so someone coming across these billboards wouldn't necessarily know no. all that, but you would hope that their curiosity would be piqued and they can scan those QR codes mm. and find a little bit more about it. Indeed, indeed. And I think it'll be interesting um, just to see how many people do scan the code. Um, one great thing, I guess, of having online platforms is that you get analytics, um, which then become your data. And then I can sort of add all that up and think, how many people can I estimate were exposed to this work and how many um, actually scanned in? Yeah. This first phase is uh, it's, it's early days. You've mm-hmm. you've I no doubt kept a weather eye on on, on whether people have been engaging. What have you seen so far? Um, so just sort of wandering around, um, you might see me loitering around, <laughs> thinking, what's that lady doing? Um, yeah, so I've just sort of taken a few stats, um, and already I've estimated um, at least a couple of hundred people um, passing through, which is great. Um, and when we were actually deploying them on Sunday with my amazing installation team, thanks guys, um, there were lots of people, of course, um, walking through um, the university and also um, down at the museum. Um, there was a big tournament, I think, on down at Logan Park. So there were lots of people that were turning their attention away from the sports. Um, sorry about that. Uh, and then they were sort of looking as to what we were doing. And people, um, I think, you know, with things like social media and 
other sort of online platforms were used to engaging with things, quite having a lot of access to things, so they didn't have any issue coming up and asking questions, which mm. is great. You mentioned that this is in several phases. What, mm-hmm. Tell us about the other phases. Yeah, sure. Um, so phase two, um, I'm hopefully scheduling some workshops um, which will be public run. Um, I have a registration form people can um, sort of tee into through my uh, information page on my website. Um, and if you sort of don't go down and see the artworks, um, my website is just, um, you can Google Maggie Cavell and it should come up. Um, and then on the website there's a info tab that says art projects, quite straightforward. Um, and yeah, so with the workshops, I'm hoping to get as many people through as possible. Um, and closer to the time, we'll be sort of advertising them as well, so people will have access and information around that. Um, and what I'm hoping is that people will then reinterpret this phase one idea of billboards um, through into a different iteration, so they'll be helping make the wallpaper patterns um, I'm also asking people to make um, their own protest signs around mental health. Like if they were to have a statement or a confession or something that they wanted to put out there about their own experience, what would they say? And that sort of approach to it gets people thinking about things in a different way. And is that the final phase or is there another? No, that's that's just phase two. Um, that'll then culminate into um, a public-based installation that I'll hopefully set up um, in like a pop-up gallery space um, sort of in the centre of the CBD so people again have access. Um, From that I'll then be looking at uh, head to sort of phase three which is still in early stages that'll be next year. Um, I'm just in my first year of the programme so through the Dunedin School of Art uh, which is where I'm doing the MFA um, it's a two-year programme. Um, so I've got some time, which is good. Big project. Now, look, it's it's no easy thing to put up these billboards. No. You must have had considerable support to make this possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a long, slightly arduous process. Um, I did work in alignment with the DCC out of Toy. Uh, thank you to Lisa Wilkie for all her help and assistance. Um, definitely going into public spaces. There's a lot of organisation and prep um, in, in sort of the backstage area, if you will, um, and sort of all these different hurdles that you have to kind of progress through before you can get the work out there. Um, the project also went through an ethics um, process that was quite a long process because of all the participatory elements. Um, and I also had um, several consultations with um, Kaitahu um, officers down at um, Otago Polytechnic, and that helped me um, as well to look at my approaches to maybe the different emerging cultural values that could come through with the work. Funding support too, no doubt. Um, Well, the thing with a research project is unfortunately it falls outside of a lot of those funding purviews. Um, This is a social-based work. So generally, um, uh, works that are, or sorry, projects that are social based absolutely do get funding. Um, What I am thinking of doing is... um, doing a boosted campaign in September just to help get some financial backing through crowdfunding um, for the running of the workshops. All right, so in this phase, mm-hmm. your hope is what? That as many people get a chance to to take these works in, to respond to them if that's what they want to do, and, yeah. and to, to, to signal their 
indication that they want to contribute in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely with the way that these creative in- interventions are staged, um, they'll be up for a couple of weeks and then they move to another three locations where they'll be up for three weeks, um, and that's the Oval, Bayfield Park and Mornington Park. So by putting them out there, people might sort of go, oh, that's really that's really different, what's that? Um, so yeah, that does pique their interest. You've chosen those locations carefully, I imagine. Yeah. And and what of what parameters around that? Uh, yeah, just so um, again, like working along with the DCC um, with the parks team, there's certain locations you can go into, and there's certain locations that you can't go into. Um, and sort of broaching those um, recreational parks was a way to get the work as close to the centre of town and exposed to as many people. I guess also different parts of town, potentially yeah. different demographics as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's right on point. Um, that opens the work, hopefully, up to a wider audience. Yeah. Mm. So imagining a couple of years down the track with this, um, you know, just for yourself, this is a learning process, it's research, um, what are you hoping to take away from it, personally? Yeah, um, so I guess, yeah, the thing is is that, you know, you have your own experiences and your own journey with mental health, but this project is much bigger than myself, which is why that social practice model is really good, because the artist is the facilitator. So hopefully, what I'm hoping is um, sort of this baptism by fire of learning how to navigate public spaces allow me to refine and fine-tune how I approach things, Um, and then that gives me sort of life outside of this master's and being under the art school to take the project um, nationally or even internationally would be quite interesting, yeah. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> Maggie Cavell, uh, remind us how we can find out more about this project hidden in plain sight. Where can we go? Sure thing. Um, so online you can go to um at, uh, sorry, dot com, and that's my website. Um, and as I said earlier, there's an info tab, so um, art projects, and that uh, takes you to the info page. Um, I'm also on Facebook, um, Maggie Cavell, visual artist, and Instagram, um, Maggie Cavell, artist as well. Um, and then there'll be information sort of shared through other networks like the Art School um, and Otago Polytechnic, which um, sort of gives you an idea where to go as well. Just finally, Maggie, outside of this project, much time for other artwork? <laughs> Not at the moment. Um, I've done some commission stuff. Um, I was actually helped my sister with another um, sort of great music project that she was doing as a fundraiser for Life Matters. Um, so that's the other thing is bringing in community organisations. Yeah. Um, but no, um, a few sort of artworks um, for people here and there, but this project has got me pretty busy. All right. Well, Maggie, thanks for taking some time to join us here on the Awesome Morning Show. Good luck. Hidden in plain sight, uh, you can get out, you can notice it in those locations that Maggie's mentioned at the moment and at others a little bit further down the track. Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.